African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's a new week once again, and we're right into September indeed. This year is coming to its end very, very soon. Uh, remember, you are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama, and we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Thank you for joining us. And also, we're on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet there. Well, today we'll be looking at the issue of the Togo protests. Over the past few weeks, hundreds of people people are taken to the streets of uh, Togo, calling for the resignation of President Forug Nasimbe. Uh, these demonstrations have been taking place across the country since August. Uh, now the latest is that the United Nations has urged the Western country to be more responsive uh, to the people's legitimate expectations. Protesters are demanding an end to the 50-year ruling family dynasty. Now joining us on the line, we're joined by Lisa Law Vaudrin, who's the Senior Research Consultant for Peace and Security Research Program at the Institute for uh, Security Studies. And also on the line, we've got Matthias Hunkpi, who is uh, the Senior Research at Open Society Initiative for West Africa. And then we also have Stephen Grust as well from uh, the uh, Senior Researcher, another Senior Researcher from the South African Institute of International Affairs. Uh, I know that uh, Stephen and Lisa work on different aspects of things there. But let me start uh, this uh, conversation uh, with uh, Matthias. I want to check if he's there on the line. Matthias Hunpe, are you there with me? Yes. Fantastic. Now, I just want to look at this current political situation in uh, Togo. I know that there is a contestation when it comes uh, uh, to this issue of uh, the initiation of reforms uh, in terms of uh, the terms of uh, how long a presidency can stand in in the country. Is this the real reason why we're seeing such a a strife and this uh, public outpouring uh, in this current political situation in Togo? Is it really related to the dynasty? itself or is it coming back to this issue of uh, uh, the reforms of uh, the presidential terms? I think you have uh, both of them and also the fact that I mean the government is not being able to deliver and meet people's needs, basic needs. So you have the fact that I mean when you look at for instance Afrobarometer publications since like 2012, polling after polling more than 80% of Togolese are requesting term limit in Togo. So this is something that people want directly in Togo. The second thing is, as you mentioned in your comments before introducing me, uh, the fact that for Togolese, they feel like they are having the same family on power for 50 years. This has a kind of symbolic impact on the way they see the government, the way they see the president. And as I said, in addition to the fact that, in a, to these two facts, there is also the fact that they are having hardship in terms of living conditions in Togo. And you know how it works when you feel like the government uh, is a kind of there forever and you are not having your basic needs met, 
you feel like changing the government will be part of the solution to your problem. Mm. Let me come to you, Stephen Grust, in terms of that issue of uh, uh, this issue of this long dynasty within uh, uh, Togo's governance. We know that the Simbes were actually much dominating in the politics in the country. I mean, 50-year ruling family dynasty, as was hi- uh, highlighted and emphasized by mightiest Hongpe, is something to reckon and to actually highlight in this conversation. We know in 1992, the father of the current president, Nasimbe Ayadima, actually did introduce a new law which limited the presidential term uh, to two electoral periods. We understand the main reason for these protests is, as was highlighted by Matias, a demand for the restoration of the 1992 constitution. Uh, could you tell us more about this, uh, the fact that this issue of uh, the electoral term seems coming in and out. Uh, Forgner Simbe is also introducing it lately, even within the yeah. current political setup. Um, thank you. Well, Togo is interesting in that it's been ruled, as you said, by the same family for 50 years now. Uh, the father, Nasingbe Yadema, took power in a coup in 1967, and he ruled uh, uninterrupted for 38 years until he died in 2005. And uh, the way that his son took over from him was quite controversial, that he was actually installed by the army uh, one day later, and then there were huge protests in, in Togo, and then they decided to have an election, which was seen very much as, as quite flawed in 2005, and then there have been su- subsequent elections in 2010 and 2015, all of which have been uh, quite questionable. Um, and so if you add the 38 years since 1967 for Nasingbe Ayadema to the 12 years so far for uh, far in nothing there. We have 50 years of one family ruling. Now, we've seen family dynasties in other countries. Uh, we've seen, you know, the Bush family had father and son as president. We almost had a, a husband and wife as president if Hillary Clinton had won. Um, uh, in Kenya, of course, Uhura Kenyatta is the son of Jomo Kenyatta. Uh, and, and so there are precedents for, for, for family rule, but it's almost like a, a dynasty. Um, and I don't think there's very much space for opposition. And, and uh, term limits can come and go. As you rightly said, they were introduced in, in 1992, but then they were uh, changed in 2002. And, and if, you, if the executive is able to influence parliament to a great extent, and, and in mo- many of our African countries, parliaments are very weak and lack independence, then uh, it's easy to bring term limits in and it's easy to take lim- term, term limits away. What's interesting is in, in, in ECOWAS, in the uh, economic community of West African states, the 15 states that make up that community, uh, Togo is now the outlier. It's the only one that currently uh, does not have term limits in its constitution, um, uh, with perhaps the exception of the Gambia, where I'm not sure whether the legislation has gone through to to change that, because mm-hmm. there were uh, there were also uh, term limits introduced and then rescinded. But of those 15 countries, uh, certainly at the moment, Togo is the only one who is saying uh, we we don't need term limits. Mm. Let me come to you, Liesel, in terms of the security aspects of things. Uh, we know that now we've seen this intervention from the United Nations, Mohammed Ibn Chambas, the UN Special Envoy for West Africa and the Sahel, uh, called on all parties to preserve the peace and security uh, in terms of uh, especially making sure that's a priority in West Africa. We know that West Africa is riddled with a lot of insecurity issues uh, and uh, we know that terrorism as well 
one of them. But in terms of this UN intervention, I'm also told that Chambers actually is stay, stayed a little bit over the weekend to keep negotiating with Foruk Nasimbe in terms of how to respond with uh, uh, the protests. This UN intervention, how much does it mean? And uh, in terms of uh, looking at also the dynamics of ECOWAS and the United, Na- the, U- the African Union, rather, in, in responding to this. Yes, thank you. I think it is important. Um, the UN, as you said, Mohammed Ibn Shambas, who is a special representative, was there, and he called on term limits to be reintroduced in the constitution. And then the government said that they would meet on. Tuesday, tomorrow, to discuss uh, changes to the Constitution, perhaps going back to before 2002. Mm. Um, And now I see a couple of minutes ago uh, Radio France International reporting that actually the ministers, uh, the Minister of Communication has now announced that they are not going to discuss it uh, tomorrow. So that will be a disappointment to the opposition that have really come out very strongly. I think, I mean, I agree with Stephen that there are other examples around the continent of sort of dynasties. Uh, I mean, we have uh, the DRC, Gabon, uh, for example. doesn't necessarily always mean that these are ruthless uh, dictatorships, but in uh, Togo, uh, really Togo has been an exception in the sense that Ayadema ruled that country with such a, uh, it was a, a very ruthless dictatorship. And to be in the opposition, you literally risk your life. Uh, and also another feature of the Ayadema, Nyasingbe Ayadema, now his son for uh, uh, Nyasingbe's rule, was the way they have been able to co-opt the opposition. Uh, in many instances, even the uh, opposition, long-time opposition leader, Gilchrist Olympia, who is the son of uh, Sylvanus Olympia, the, the independence leader of Togo, he, a couple of years ago, also sort of his party negotiated and joined the government, and he was saying, yes, but actually, you know, Fornia Singbe is not like his father. So uh, the, it's, it's a different uh, configuration, I would say, than other parts of the continent where we really, really have a very ruthless regime. Um, and now with these protests, you know, people have been shot dead. Um, they've been internet uh, been cut <coughs> off. So uh, people are, are very brave to take to the streets. And, and around the continent, there's been a surprise and admiration for the way they've actually come out so, so strongly. Well, we're getting insights from our guests there on the line. That's the voice of Lisa Lowe Vaudrin, who is a senior research consultant in peace and security research in, at, in the Institute for Security Studies. And we also have Stephen Grusd as well, senior researcher as well at the same organization. On the line, we've got Matthias Wimpi as well, a senior researcher of the Open Society Initiative for West Africa. And we heard Lisa there highlighting some very pivotal points there that could link the uh, style of
of presidency uh, between uh, uh, Nasimbe and Fahwe there. In terms of uh, the limitations of the internet that we've seen right now with the latest uh, protests and also uh, there's that issue that keeps coming up of uh, opposition leaders who have gone missing in the past in the country and just also how uh, the response of the military and the police in the country have responded to the uh, current atmosphere of protest currently. You are listening to African Dialogue where we bring you the latest news on what's happening on the African continent and we dissect the issues and get the context. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with our guests after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thanks for joining us right here on Channel Africa. We're broadcasting from the SABC studios in Auckland Park, Johannesburg. And remember, we're on the frequency in our shortwave service into sub-Saharan Africa. 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa is our way of listening to us. You can also listen to us in South Africa and neighboring countries on DSTV. Remember, we're on the audio channel, channel 802. Hey, our international community is there. We know people listen to us outside the continent even we are on www.channelafrica.co.za today we're looking at the current uh, strife this idea that we're seeing very much recently duplicating what we've saw when it comes to the Gambia situation with the Yaya Yame removal we saw the very same trends there and what was very important in that scenario we saw the intervention of ECOWAS and uh, uh, that is such a much important moment moment uh, coming to you, Matthias, in terms of how the leaders of the economic community of West African states will respond to that. They have been criticized historically for failing to condemn political unrest in Togo and the dominance of this dynasty in uh, uh, the Togo. So how do you think they will have to intervene this time around uh, due to how they responded to the Gambia because they can't uh, respond differently? It would be such a huge contradiction uh, for this uh, uh, economic uh, grouping. Yes, I mean, I mean it, it, the Gambian case, uh, without exaggerating, I would say that the case in Gambia was a kind of easy, easy because you have uh, the result of elections, and you just want political actors, including the president, to respect people's will. So that was easy sure. to to deal with. Sure. The second thing is Gambia is a small country. And it's smaller than Togo and so on. And the president, Yaya Jammeh, was, like, uh, was, was not having good relationship with almost any president in the sub-region, maybe one or two. So, quote-unquote, it was a kind of easy for ECOWAS to go about the Gambian case. But the case in, in, in Togo today is a president who is not, who is at two or three years from the end of his term. So the way you deal with this will have implications for other situation, similar situation in, in countries in the future. Mm. And I'm, I know something. Presidents are 
fearful of a kind of allowing citizens to decide to ask them to step down while they are they're supposed to be uh, enjoying a kind of uh, constitutional and, and legal term. So that is the difficulty of the situation in Togo. The president is not at the end of his term, and now people seem to be asking him to step down. That is really difficult to manage. And I can understand why ECOWAS has been silent so far. The other thing that maybe explains the silence Maybe the public silence, because I'm quite sure that negotiations and mediation are going on underground. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the second problem that they are having is the way uh, for Yasinge will react. Because you have like two issues here. People are asking for the limitation of manda, I mean of the term, to be introduced again into the constitution. But that is one thing. The other thing is how will they deal with Yasinbe for Yasinbe next elections because he will be finishing his third term, 15 years, in 2020. Normally, people are expecting from him to say, I'm stepping down, but I'm not sure he agrees with that. For him, if we will amend the Constitution to reintroduce the limited term limit, I should be allowed to go for two terms again. That will be, in total, if he wins, 25 years. And I'm not sure people are... So you have like these two different problems that are on the table. And if the bill is not before the parliament today, I think, or tomorrow, that will be maybe one of the points on which they are not agreeing. We have to reintroduce the term limit, but you, after 15 years, should step down and not even compete. I'm told that uh, the former uh, president of Nigeria, Lusijuno Basanjo, has also come out calling uh, for uh, the resignation of President Fore Nasimbe. Uh, coming back to you, Stephen, in terms of the complexities that were brought in by Matthias Hungpe, who was correcting me in terms of making that comparison uh, between the Gambia situation and what we're seeing in Togo, uh, rightly saying the fact that uh, the uh, Gambian situation was completely different due to uh, the elections that took place uh, uh, during that particular time. And uh, uh, this is a different situation, and I agree, uh, where Togo is uh, seeing uh, more of a public unrest situation. How does that make things more complex here for uh, the economic community of West Africa from from your view? I would definitely agree that uh, that, was a, that was an election that uh, had just been held it seemed very clear that uh, uh, Adama Barrow had won. Uh, in fact, uh, Yaya Jame had conceded and then retracted his concession. And uh, I would agree that it, it was less tricky uh, for, for an event- intervention. It wasn't easy. Um, it took a lot of uh, getting consensus with ECOWAS and, and even sending troops into, uh, you know, massing in, in Senegal and, and, and so forth. But, yeah, um, uh, Gambia is a tiny country, much smaller even than Togo, which is quite small. Togo's got about 7 million people. Gambia is, is a much smaller country. And, and yes, this is not... This is a popular protest, and that's something quite difficult for Africa's leaders to to deal with and and uh, um, side with. I mean, you know, we've seen the president of of the Arab Spring in in uh, 2011, 2012, where there was just such mass popular um, uh, uprisings in countries like uh, Libya 
and Tunisia and Egypt, uh, that the, the authorities were not able to, to suppress them and, in fact, didn't want to in the end. I mean, I think that's what made the difference, that, that uh, uh, the authorities uh, and the military, who all seem to have actually taken advantage of the changes, were, were uh, you know, not prepared to, to shoot people in the streets and, 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 and kill, kill many of them. This one, you know, is, is slightly different, and I think it makes um, leaders uneasy in, in West Africa because many of them are facing similar kinds of popular uh, dissatisfaction from their own citizens. So, again, it's all about uh, precedent, and, and, you know, the, a, the, a, the AU has many uh, codes and standards that forbid unconstitutional changes of government it, it but it struggles really and it doesn't have the uh, it hasn't really quite worked out what do you do when people become so fed up that they want to get rid of their leaders let me come to you Lisa, because it's very interesting to see this public unrest in terms of what it means uh, for uh, security status of uh, west africa and we know that's very fragile there's a very fragile reason uh, i mean region rather when it comes to uh, security issues we've already heard uh, uh, ghana interventions being actually uh, speculated upon and uh, we heard in parliament in ghana mahama ayariga rather cautioning President Akufo Addo against any form of intervention in the political turmoil in, uh, in, in Togo, arguing that Togo is capable of handling the upheavals re- resulting from protests. Now, in terms of the sensitivity of where Togo stands with the other issues of uh, security uh, mishaps or uh, issues that need to be dealt with in w- West Africa, how sensitive is this moment and how important is the stability of uh, Togo itself? Yes, I agree that it's going to be very difficult for ECOWAS or even the African Union to intervene at this point because the attitude has always been, well, uh, if a president acts within the Constitution, even if uh, they are, uh, you know, even if he's in his third or fourth term, we've seen, you know, in Rwanda and Chad and other places, the constitution has been changed, and then the AU sort of steps back and say, okay, well, this is this is a legal process. Um, what you're asking about the neighbouring states, uh, well, Togo is a relatively a small country, but important as well. Uh, you know, I don't think the region would like to see. Uh, massive instability there. Um, the uh, the region is faced with huge crises. We know in terms of terrorism in the like Chad Basin in Mali, Burkina Faso, which incidentally also is an interesting example of uh, when people took to the streets to prevent uh, former President Blaise Compaore to stand for another term. The AU then really also didn't know exactly what to do, but it uh, sort of said, okay, if if the military guys step down and you have a civilian government, then we'll accept it. So Mm. that, that I think, is is quite close to home in terms of examples of how Mm. our continental institutions and the regional economic community can deal with it. Um, But I don't really see, uh, you know, Ghana, Benin uh, um, playing a huge role there, Francophone Africa, maybe Mm. Cote d'Ivoire, but but certainly people wouldn't like to see massive instability with refugees spilling over to the neighboring countries. Um, The region really can't afford that at this point.
Well, let me take an, one more break and then we'll come back and, and sum up uh, the conversation in your final sentiments. If you're just joining us, it was such a great uh, a commentary coming from our analysts today. Lisa Law Vaudron is joining us uh, from uh, the uh, Institute for Security Studies as, alongside Stephen Grust, who's also a senior researcher there. Matthias Hunpe is a senior researcher. He's from the Open Society Initiative for West Africa. Uh, lady and uh, two gentlemen, please. Please hold on there on the line for me. We're going to sum it up after this break. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebati, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time, Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report. The Albinism Report. An enlightened narrative with me, Pule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Exactly, that's what we're about. We're about the African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue. Uh, don't forget our frequency on shortwave. It's on 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. we also on DSTV on channel 802 on the audio book there. You can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Let's come to the end of our conversation and uh, look at uh, uh, really what's the way forward. We've already highlighted uh, uh, the issues by from Lisa saying that uh, there is uh, this uh, issue of the complexities and the fragility of West Africa when it comes uh, to security. Matthias was highlighting earlier in our conversation the fact that ECOWAS has a very much uh, uh, real, real problematic response to this because of the fact that uh, uh, Nasimbe has been elected as president and has a few years in his term. So no one can just come in the country looking at the issues of diplomacy in West Africa on how to actually deal with the response of these protests. Stephen Grust also emphasizing that dynamic on the line. Matthias, let me come to you. So how do you move things forward? Because clearly here there is a, a very brutal government that is in power, especially when we really take in consideration the issues that uh, there have been complaints that uh, uh, text messages and phone calls are still restricted in the country. The internet has suffered an outage there and also how some people have been killed during these protests. So we do see a brutal government there in Togo. So I think from now on we have like two or three things that we need to pay attention to. The first one is don't contrary to the past what we are seeing in Togo today is not mainly opposition uh, leaders organizing to overthrow a government. Mm. When you look at the turnout, you see that ordinary citizens in Togo in a huge number are asking for change. That is the first thing. The second one is now how opposition people will organize among themselves to be able to leverage, quote-unquote, on this demand of change. 
That is one category of thing. The second mm. one is the president uh, for himself and people around him. He needs to listen to the population and avoid taking this as a fight among political class uh, who want to, to be president or who is not president. I mean, I think the debate today is for him to listen to what ordinary citizens are saying and not to hang on to, to want to do everything to stay on power. And the last thing will be the regional organization like uh, ECOWAS or the UNOAS and even AU, I think they need to be frank and talk seriously with for Yasinbe. At his age, his generation, I think he should be more uh, sensitive to questions around term limit more than his father and so on. So he should be able to understand the situation and be more constructive in the way he, addressed the, he addresses uh, the dynamic in Togo now. Stephen, your thoughts on a way forward? Just, just two things. I mean, one, uh, even if the constitution is reformed and term limits are introduced, the way that they've set it up is that, uh, my understanding is that it, would, it actually would start the clock running from 2020, which would allow the sitting prime minister, uh, president to still have two additional five-year terms. So he would be around till 2030. I'm not sure with the mood on the street whether that's going to be acceptable, whether they, the, you know, mm-hmm. the people are going to tolerate a possible 10 or, from this point, 12 more years of, of this president. The other is actually, just while I was talking to you, I've been doing some work on the upcoming Israel-Africa summit or Africa-Israel summit that was meant to be held in Lome in May on the 23rd of October. And just while we were speaking, um, uh, an email came through to say that this is postponed. Uh, Israel was had invited all 55 African countries and they were expecting some 20 to 30 of them to attend uh, in Lome on the 23rd of October. And uh, that's been postponed, which perhaps one might take as a sign Mm. that uh, there's a lot of instability in the country and maybe maybe the days of uh, President Faure are, are numbered. Liesl, let's get the final sentiment from you. Yes, um, I agree that the opposition is now so mobilized that they might not be placated with simply a constitutional change, especially if it's going to be another sort of a trick. We've seen it in Senegal with former President Abdoulaye Wad in, in Rwanda as well. Okay, I'm changing the constitution. We are reimposing term limits, but from, you know, from a, a future date. So uh, unless Fornia uh, Singbe says, okay, I'm stepping down in 2020, and then we will have two more, you know, uh, um, term limits of two terms. But uh, the situation is very dire and quite explosive. I think the international community and civil society can put pressure on the government to also open up the political space, um, to lift the uh, internet bans and um, to make it easier for people to have their voice heard, even if the AU and the other institutions can't do much. But um, I agree that there probably is some pressure behind the scenes and that um, I, I I'm not sure. I think people really, really would like to see that change, ordinary people, just for the president to say, okay, I commit to stepping down at the end of my third term.
Well, thank you uh, to all of you for giving us your insights. It's been fantastic getting your analysis on this issue. I'm sure that our listeners uh, uh, could understand the context of the situation there because Togo is a country that people don't even really look at in terms of knowing what's understanding politically in the country. But thank you to Lisa Lowe-Voldren, who is a senior researcher at the Institute for Security Studies alongside uh, Stephen Grust. Thank you as well to Matthias Hunpi, who is a senior researcher at the Open Society Initiative for West Africa. Really appreciate you giving us your time. Well, that takes us uh, to 11.37 Central African time. Uh, That's uh, 11.37 Central African time. Just in a few minutes, we'll get our business news. And after that, we'll get our sports update uh, from our uh, Usani Matebula. And I think Figile Lingwati will give us our sports there. But we need to take a quick break. But if you want to interact with us here on Channel Africa, we do want to hear from you. We do want you to be part of the Channel Africa uh, community. Remember, uh, to be part of our Twitter uh, family, go to at Channel Africa One. It's the numeric one at the end, at Channel Africa One, or you can uh, visit us uh, at African Dialogue. That's one that's more linked to this show, at African uh, Dialogue. Remember, also, we want you to go to our website, check out our podcast. We have a lot happening there in terms of news updates. You'll get the latest news on the African continent. The website is www.channelafrica.co.za. I don't want to forget Facebook. Facebook because Facebook is also another way you can get a hold of us. It's simply titled Channel Africa. Uh, that's the page that you go to there. Hey, let's take a quick break. Maybe listen to some good music from Togo, something more optimistic, something that's going to actually shake our bones a little bit. This one is titled Igwe by Promise Otismo. Igwe is love. Igwe is joy. Igwe is peace and happiness. You are free at last. You are free at last. Am I talking to somebody? <laughs> Can somebody say Igwe? The creator of heaven and earth, of Omega. Here in Africa and the rest of the world, we've been through a whole lot of things away. How can we send the last song in a strange condition? Yeah. Suffering, struggling, starvation, and killing. Oh God, he you say we should come to you with a level and heavy love So even we lift our hands and you
day with a whole lot of thoughts in your mind. After you've done all you can, and it seems like it's never enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Igwe has already made it clear to us that the mention of his name gave it a pressure feel, and there will be no more room for tears and anguish, struggle, starvation, and killing. Igwe uh, means joy, Igwe means peace. So we are free at last. We are free at last. Thank you, Iwe. Oh, thank you, Iwe. Oh, thank you, Iwe. 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 As he has promised, he will come again. But then, he will come like this. Just like a thief, just be ready. Yeah.